America. My name is Ahmed Yosef Frimpong, and I come to you live every Friday to talk about, uh, you know, I try, I try to help you not squander your lives lest you end up, uh, you know, older and figuring out, trying to figure out where you went wrong with your kids, with your life, with your aspirations, because a lot of people are trying to, I'll tell you, a lot of people who aren't on this show are trying to weaponize your insecurity for their own ends so that you will work for them and are tools for their aspirations while you end up confused about your life. So I try to get you around that by uh, kind of keep imparting a little bit of wisdom every, every week. Um, today I'm going to talk about sugar daddy culture and sugar daddy politics. And I say this because, you know, everybody should know Jeff Bezos went up to the in space uh, and he came back and the first thing he said was, um, well, you know, we should put all heavy industry up there and leave Earth to be a gem. First of all, that, that's kind of like a big, almost ridiculous thing to say. But since he's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, he gets to say that and try to like put his billions and billions of dollars to realizing it. And everyone say, well, that's a genius, innovative idea. Meanwhile, um, you know, we say like maybe we should secure everyone a job at $20 an hour, even if it's direct hiring by the government, everyone who's willing to work should be work. People will be like, oh, I don't know about that. Is there stuff to do? Yes, of course there's stuff to do. My kid's classroom has more than um, 15, 20 people in it. So like, I would like to get that classroom to five. Right? So there's always going to be more work to do. We could put people to work if we wanted to. Um, so Bezos is allowed to have crazy ideas, but, um, uh, you know, we can't we can't have nice things like healthcare and secure jobs, uh, or even suggest that without being seen as somehow radical. And uh, I just wanted, and he also did a second thing when he came down from space. He offered Van Jones one hundred million dollars for being Van Jones. Van Jones, if, if you don't remember, Van Jones is kind of the the, the the weepy Negro you see on CNN every now and then or MSNBC or wherever, and he cries. He cries when he's happy. He cries when he's sad. He's like I said, he's a bit of a weepy Negro. He's crying that we um, that Trump didn't win and Biden did, and that was um, it was a very emotional moment for Van Jones. Um, so so that's why he gets a hundred million dollars. I think Van Jones also cried when Prince died because <laughs> Prince was, I think, going to bankroll Jones. Um, but anyway, so Van Jones cried. And, uh, and, and, and gets $100 million, That's $100 million from Jeff Bezos. So the question is, what does that mean? It means a few things. One... It means you can't really trust anything Van Jones come, that comes out of his mouth from now on because Jeff Bezos is not going to give you $100 million for you to say something that might... He's, Van Jones has been vetted, make no mistake. There have been prior conversations. Van Jones is not going to say anything that would um, get on the other side of, of Jeff Bezos's uh, bank account or even aspirations or interests. There's not going to be talk of a wealth tax coming out of Van Jones's mouth. There's not going to be talk about union... Um, uh, unionization of Amazon coming out of, of Van Jones's mouth. So what you have now is a very high-priced and openly paid-for agent 
in the in 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 progressive circles in Van Jones. I, I hope he gets stops being invited to things because now he just he works for he works for Jeff Bezos. Someone gives you a hundred million dollars, they own you, and you don't have independent wealth. That means they own you, right? So. Um, I was going to title this show Sugar Daddy Politics, but I think it's more of a sugar daddy culture. We aren't really sure what the problem with being nice in charity is. If someone gives me money because they think I'm nice, um, that's not the same as doing justice for me or by me. Right? We need a world where there's mutual accommodation insofar as mutual interests are served and identities are formed and sustained. For example, um, we don't want the end of all activism to be the hope, the hope that George Soros, uh, a Shelley Adelson, or Jeff Bezos will give you $100 million. That can't be the end of all activism. That can't be the goal of activism because that's not democratizing power. That's still sucking up and hoping beyond hope that um, Jeff Bezos is going to give you $100 million. And so you're not going to say anything that would get on the bad side. So you're beholden to some a-hole to the hope and the whim of some a-hole that if you just suck up just the right way or kiss the ring or kiss their butt or kiss their whatever, that they will, um, uh, you know, somehow sneeze and cough. Because remember, Jeff Bezos, for $100 million is, is a lot of money to us. Uh, Jeff Bezos is not going to miss $100 million of anything. Like there is nothing in Jeff Bezos' life that will be worse that he's going to have to go without for because of the $100 million. Yet it buys him, you know, a whole Negro. And there's a funny joke about that. I think it's Groucho Marx who's, who goes up to a starlet and says, ah, so will you sleep with me for um, $5? And the starlet says, ha, huh, I'm an actress. What kind of woman do you think I am? Ah. Uh, uh, and he says, well, will you sleep with me for a million dollars? He's like, well, that's a lot of money. And uh, what kind of woman do you think I am? And Groucho Marx says, well, you know, we've, we've already established that. Now we're just haggling over the price. <laughs> All right. So um, sugar daddy politics, no matter what the zero is, is a bad quality of politics. And it, a bad quality of culture because that's not how justice is secured. Right? You don't want, like, you don't want to be beholden to the whims of some a-hole. For example, me, I am beholden to the whims of, like, hundreds of a-holes all of you people which is a little bit different because one you don't have interest that that depend on sustaining a billion dollars because it's not necessarily getting a billion dollars that you have to necessarily be a villain in america although it's not easy to get a billion dollars without doing some dirty but in order to sustain a billion dollars you have to do dirty work like there is no billionaire maintenance that doesn't involve awful awful things and exploitative practices all right so you can get the first billion that first billion maybe by being clean or having a good idea but to keep that billion you have to do awful things to off to good people right so um van jones has now been conscripted into the billion dollar maintenance game and and he now works for bezos which is what it is but uh, i work for you which is different so even if I won, there are enough of you so that um, I'm not beholden to any one of you. I can call you a-holes and you can say like, oh, I'm not going to give money to anyone who would, who would use that sort of language or isn't appropriately grateful and I'll get new people. 
Like that's what allows me to tell the truth. Like it's, it's not, um, I'm not beholden to the animal passions of any one of you guys. Now, if you all organize together and try to cancel me, that may be a thing, but that's still going to be a little bit hard because it's the internet and enough people might find some sort of value in what I do that they'll kick in five, fifteen, dollars or $50 a month to help me doing it. And they know, and this is why you actually should go over to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, dollars or $50 a month. They know that their whole life gets better the more people listen to me, right? So it's not just, they're not just, they're not just um, doing it because I make them feel good. They know that I will actually improve the quality of the water they swim in the more people who actually hear whatever you know, wisdom I try to impart every week, right? So you don't want, you don't want a culture that depends on uh, asymmetrical sucking up. And black people, that's especially us because nobody, like, that's not... That's the opposite of justice. The goal isn't to be a house Negro, even a well-paid house Negro. And I'm not saying that Van Jones has promoted himself to being a well-paid house Negro, but he's not not done that, right? And we should feel some sort of way about that. And $100 million, he shouldn't care what I say. But... um. You know, I, th I think I think that's what it is. So we don't want the end of our culture. You don't want your job to be because they happen to like you. Um, you don't want your job to be because because then when they happen to not like you, you'll get fired, right? So you want a world where you are secured regardless of how you make people feel in that moment, right? Uh, you know, I want Richard Pryor's gig where he goes out and insults white people and they come and, and, and come to his shows. Not Bill Cosby's gig because Bill Cosby used to change his material depending on his audience. But I want like Dave Chappelle's gig where you can go out and talk to white people and tell them like the truth and they'll be grateful for it. It's a gig they think they're getting from their therapist, but their therapist is just sucking up their ass. So we have an entire culture. We have an entire culture that assumes that money and stability should be trafficked in um, this kind of ass kissery, right? That part of what it is to be an adult is to kiss the right person's butt so that they're nice to you because you're kissing their butt. This is one thing that was honestly a little bit refreshing about Trump. He was so rich and, uh, you know, had his own kind of independent power base that he didn't have to kiss anybody's butt even that's why it was so refreshing seeing him on the um uh on the republican debates when he would just like you know take out george w or uh, uh jeb bush or marco rubio or uh, the big guy from new jersey the the former governor his name um um escapes me now but it was good because he just he just seemed like a free man when he was calling cnn fake news because he didn't care about them liking him <laughs> right he was like you're fake news shut up that was awesome that was what a free man looks like and so that was refreshing and I, it was good for america to see as opposed to the cloying obama who pretty much told you that he was 
He told you at the Western, uh, the press corps dinner that he was tailoring his presidency to after work, to like what Goldman and Sachs would pay him for his speeches. And Goldman Sachs pays him $400,000 per speech. So that was, that was the work he was, he told, he made a joke about this at the Washington press corps dinner about how he was like this writing these jokes because he wants to make some more money once, the, once he's out of office. And you know what he did? Made a lot of money once he's out of office telling those jokes. So he, he was a scumbag and was always selling you out to the person who could pay you. Was willing to tell, was willing to do whatever it takes to make Goldman Sachs feel good. And that's, that's an unfortunate place to be. We don't want our livelihood or our security to be uh, based on someone else's feelings. That's not power. That's not self-determination. Right? We want a, a, a quality of mutual accommodation that values um, are deeper than feelings and more secure than feelings. For like I said, for example, I think you should go over to www.funkyacademic.com because I actually uh, am helping you not squander your life or confuse the advice you give uh, to your friends because you might tell them to suck up. A lot of people tell their friends to suck up and get through because sucking up is just the way it has to be. But then they're surprised when they're on antidepressants and then their friends are confused. And then what happens when sucking up doesn't work? That's always the saddest thing. You see these people who mortgage all of their dignity to suck up and then it turns out that um, it was never gonna work anyway. right? And that's the game that's being played by a Jeff Bezos or a Donald Trump or any of these billionaires. Uh, they want you to think, Maybe if I suck up just enough, if I just pucker in just the right way or do the right hand stuff, that um, uh, the billionaire will give me money. And the billionaires want to keep you on the rope. They're like that, you know, you hear these stories about these mistresses of wealthy people and the person says, well, I'm going to leave my wife, I'm going to leave my husband for you, and, and they just to kind of string the mistresses along. The billionaires want to do that with entire classes of people. They want the culture to be that the way to make it in America is to suck up to a rich person. And this is about the billionaires and the billionaires' wives who run the nonprofits. They want the culture to, to, of America to be that the way Americans make it is to suck up to people with money. Call them their mentors or whatever. Um, and that's just, that's not going to work for anyone's dignity. And in black people, that's just not going to work for us. That's just not going to work. That, that, someone said that side chick mentality. That's just not going to work for us at the community level. We need to be able to uh, use the levers of power and then um, uh, 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 like identify leverage and then use it. Like I say, black people, we need to look at the institutions of, that we exert public power over that white people also participate in and then change the curriculum. For example, public schools. This is why I think CRT, critical race theory, should be in public schools. This is why I think we should go right after their kids. I think we should go right after their family. I think we should look at any institution, public institution, that we share with white people and exploit that leverage as a public institution and shame and tell the tr truth about like what it is and like how that institution ends up sustaining racial degradation across America. And if we don't do that, it's a problem. Because notice that they went on offense. Moynihan goes on offense when he writes The Negro Family, A Case for National um, um, 
uh, action. He's not trying to kiss black people's butt when he writes that when the when he writes the Moynihan report. Like he's going on offense when they like flood black schools with white lady teachers. That's white people going on offense um, to get control of the black mind because they know if you get the control of the black mind, you get control of the black behind. That's Bobby Wright saying that. So um, we need to go on offense and wield power and not just think, well, you know, if we're really nice to Miss Ann, maybe Miss Miss Mackenzie Scott, Miss Mackenzie Scott, Miss Jeff Bezos will be real nice to us. Um, she'll write us a $100 million check for our HBCU. That's, um, that's not the way to justice. And look, uh, yeah, I'm going to segue to this whole thing. Um, I'm going to segue to a different thing once I get, once we start talking about sugar, uh, stop talking about sugar daddy culture. So sugar, I was going to do sugar daddy politics, but it's not just politics. It's sugar daddy culture in general. Anybody who tells you that the way to get even in America is kissing some guy's ass. And black person, it's gonna be some white person's ass, because nobody ever tells you to really kiss a black person's butt, because they know that we don't have power. As power. So is isn't really serious about you being empowered. They might be serious about you just getting on, but it's gonna leave, it's gonna have um, it's gonna have cumulative effects that are not really good. Right? So I want someone says I want to be able to tell the truth all the time. Yes, you want to be free like Donald Trump. You want to be you want to be able to tell the truth all the time. Tell your truth all the time, and 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 still be able to get paid from your job. But the problem is, black people have two jobs. We have the job we're signing to do, and we have the job to telling to lying to white people to make them feel good. So that's going to be a problem. So like this job, I get to tell the truth all the time. And you got to remember when I was first starting teaching, uh, you know, teaching classes at UGA because I'm a grad student there, and you know, I teach a few classes. I'm teaching logic critical thinking next fall. People said, well, you know, you have to, uh, you have to kind of. One of the professors said, like, you, you got to kind of make the students feel good about themselves. And I wasn't sure that was true, because one, I teach philosophy, and you know, Socrates didn't exactly become famous by making the Athenians feel good about themselves. And so I'm, I, I wasn't sure that was true. And so I didn't. And it turns out my, the numbers of philosophy majors are, have like <laughs> gone like more than doubled since I've been teaching. And it's because I don't make, I actually tell them the truth and I expect them to tell me the truth. And it's actually refreshing for them. And so you actually can get paid and be respected for telling the truth. You won't always be liked. But black people, our job as coddlers of the white genitalia isn't really, it's not working for us. And it's not going to secure us justice. And anyone who tells you it is might be short-sighted. Like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That They might be short-sighted. So I'm going to, uh, so Zaddy Bezos isn't going, to, isn't going to take care of you. And the problem is, isn't just Van Jones, like now everything he talks, he might as well just talk about an agent. He might, he might as well just be a CIA agent. Every time he talks, he opens his mouth. The problem isn't necessarily that Van Jones is bought and paid for. The problem is like entire generation of people now saw Van Jones being bought and paid for and think, well, if I just suck up to the right billionaire, maybe I'll be bought and paid for too. And I don't want to say it's a feminization of American culture, but for a long time, you know, women got 
white women, not black women. Black women have always had to work. Um, but a long time, white women got on by just being nice to the richest white guy in the room. And if that ethic gets kind of infused into all of our cultural affects, that's not particularly good for anybody. Right. So, I'm, you know, people are going to say, you're a misogynist. Well, no, I'm just a, a person who looks at cultural trends and how ideology kind of metastasizes. And I don't want the ideology of like just being nice to and your people will be nice to you, like to be to, to confuse people about what justice demands. Um, and justice demands actually power and truth and not just being nice because, yeah. All right, so. Um, I'm going to come back after the intro and hit you with um, I, I, another bit of wisdom. To the beach, good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would state facts. You leave it up to me, I paint the White House black and it can feature in your front. Uh, so it turns out that Jim Crow was about control, not necessarily cotton. And it's this isn't obvious, but I was uh, reading some work by a woman by the name of Dr. Sarah Tauber, Tauber and she kind of does like progressive agriculture and how to think about agriculture. And this is, l let me just tell you the, how this all went down. All right. So corn, um, if you don't take it through this process, it gives you uh, pellagra. Or it's, it's, it's vitamin deficient in a way that you will end up with pellagra. If you make it a staple of your diet, but you don't take it through this process called mixlimization, <laughs> um, it'll give you pellagra. So what happened was the Aztecs were captured. Some Aztecs were captured by Italy, um, made it all the way to Italy, planted corn in Italy, said, like, you got to do this process or it'll leave the corn vitamin deficient. And this way you'll turn the cores into like this, like, maize product it'll be great but the italians the the pope was like no we're not going to listen to you and so you're just a stupid aztec and so pellegra was like a whole thing in italy right and, they, and then they killed the aztecs who they brought over as slaves and and didn't realize why the corn was deficient right so what does that do with what does that have to do with american um with the jim crow south well it turns out that in the early uh, 20th century, there was this huge pellagra outbreak in the South, and here's how it went down. Up until about the 50s, you have to understand, 75% of the black workforce were uh, domestic workers and farm workers, pretty much sharecroppers. That's the domestic workforce in the American South. It was 60% nationwide, but 75% in the American South. Black people, we worked in fields, and we cleaned, cleaned houses. That's pretty much what we did up until the 50s. And pellagra was a huge deal in the American South, and nobody knew why. They they said, well, you know, it was bad people, black people had bad hygiene, blah 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 blah. It turns out it was all just deficiency, because what would happen was uh, corn wasn't profitable. I mean, not corn. Corn wasn't profitable. Cotton wasn't profitable. The the market had globalized sufficiently that the price of cotton had gone down. So the time when cotton was king was uh, gone. But the cotton farmers, the white cotton farmers, still like black people growing cotton and exclusively cotton because that kept them under control through debt and crop liens, right? And a, a crop lien is when like your white, the white owner, functionally, the guy who owns a property, um, takes a share of your crop every year 
uh, in lieu of giving you the tools to farm your crop. And it turned out that black people, would you believe, we always ended up in debt. So we'd, do, we'd farm, we'd give the owner the crop, and then it turns out, instead of paying us a fair price, he would say, like, well, you almost made it back this year. <laughs> you almost made it even, but you're still in the red. Um, sorry, maybe next year. And since education was dicey at that time, and the books weren't open, we had to take the, the white owner's word for it that our crop wasn't enough crop. So these crop liens kept, but the farmer would also offer script. So you had these plantation stores where black people could go and buy food and wares and where they had to buy food and wares because that was the only place that the plantation script would work, right? So black people couldn't actually buy, um, couldn't actually grow their own fruits and vegetables because they were growing cotton. Not for profit, but to get out of this debt, which magically never went away. And white farmers weren't exactly making a ton of money, but they were keeping Negroes in control, which is what they wanted anyway. People think, you know, the racial hierarchy is held together by exploitation and profit, but it's really not held together by exploitation and profit. It's held together by power. Power. White people like having a class under them, even if they have to pay for it, even if they have to work their other job in order to keep a class under them. So it's held together by prestige and power over an underclass, not necessarily profit. It will be unprofitable, and white people would still like a slave class because they like slaves, right? So you have to understand that um, one reason why those planters didn't grow uh, fruits and vegetables to sell to the North, because the North would have bought them and actually and the, the planters would have made money, was because that would have allowed rampant fruits and vegetables to be grown in the American South, and black people might have like not had, it would have uh, destabilized the control that really the, the, the cotton economy sustained. Right? So even though cotton wasn't profitable in the early 20th century, there was still a cotton economy because the cotton economy was the means of control. And that's why you have 50% of the U.S. agriculture of fruits and vegetables grown in California. And Georgia is the peach state, not because of like old-timey uh, Georgia farmers, but because of car cop carpetbaggers who came down here. In Florida, same with oranges. Uh, carpetbaggers from the north came down and said, like, why aren't you guys growing, why are you still growing cotton? You can make more money growing oranges and peaches. And so that's why, uh, you know, Florida grows oranges and, and Georgia grows peaches. Not because of the legacy farmers here who are looking for profit. Legacy farmers here were looking for control, and so they kept black people growing cotton, even past cotton's profitability. And so this is also why Jim Crow is the reason we don't have more sustainable regional farm systems. <laughs> like in the United States. Because what would happen was the industrial corn would be grown in the Midwest, um, processed, sold to plantation stores, and then the plantation stores would sell it to black people who would pay for it in cotton crops. Right? So it's kind of a long story, but it kept the South a monoculture, monoculture past profitability. Like, so this idea that the planter class of white planters was just ruthless capitalists. No, they were white supremacists. Cotton was the means for the white supremacy. It wasn't necessarily a means for money. Right? They could have 
planted fruits and vegetables and gotten more money, but they wanted control over black masses and people. And they got that through a monoculture of cotton and making it the case that black people couldn't, it wouldn't be profitable or even possible for black people to grow their own food. Right? So we would have much better regional farm system, uh, farm infrastructure if it weren't for Jim Crow, because Jim Crow made it the case that the Midwest got rich selling um, non-processed cotton to industrial um, food producers who would then flip it in plantation stores and black people had to buy from the plantation stores because they couldn't grow their own food. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Um, Tauber, Sarah Tauber. Uh, um, yeah, but just look up Jim Crow crop liens and just how you control black populations through debt. It's, uh, or through the promise that if they just work a little bit hard, if they just hustle harder. And this is the hustle ethic we're dealing with right now. People say, well, you know, if you just hustle harder, you can make it. That's kind of like the, uh, the Jim Crow farmer telling black people, well, you know, if you just hustle more next year, maybe you'll get in the black. No, the secret isn't hustle harder. The secret is like wielding power where you have it, right? And by the way, if you like anything I'm doing, go ahead and kick in um, five, fifteen, or fifty dollars at www.funkyacademic.com. I feel like the world would be a better place if my wisdom kind of got, you know, out a little bit more. Um, so send this video to all your friends and talk about it, and uh, talk about crop leans, and talk about the stories. People tell black people about how if they just hustle harder or kiss a, just a different kind of white ass in a different way, they'll be free. That's, uh, freedom at the community level will not work that way. You can individually try to kiss white ass and maybe end up with an uh, Obama mansion in Martha's Vineyard, but that'll include selling out black people. The only way to make money kissing white ass is to sell out black people. And so if that's... If you wanna, if you wanna roll the dice, and that's even that's a roll dice. A lot of black people have sold out other black people and then got stiffed for it. <laughs> oh, I can't think of. Oh, I'm sure chat can can help me think of someone who sold out black people and then got cut out. Um, got sold out black people and then got cut. Didn't even get a payday for it. Yeah, there, there are a good number of those people. But um, I just know that there should be, um, there, there, there's no justice that comes out of trying to secure um, money by kissing white ass. You got to use power where you have it. All right. Oh, Amorosa, there's one. <laughs> there's, there's one. Yeah, Amorosa, she's, that's someone. Right? She counts. All right. All right. Take care, and I will see you next week with uh, something different.